49ers Cutback Podcast time. I'm Anthony Robertson, and here with me is the horse, Alex Horse. What's up, Horsty? What's going on, everybody? Excited about today's episode. Big time topic. And Alex Asenia. What's up, Alex? Not much, man. Big time players make big time plays in big time games, and we're about to talk about some today. We're about to talk about one of the biggest guys in the history of the NFL, probably at the cornerback position. So, Horst, is Richard Sherman still a top 10 cornerback in the league? Yeah, I think Richard Sherman is definitely still a top 10 quarter, cornerback in the league. Um, I personally, when I went through the list, I had him sixth. PFF actually rated him as the top coverage defender in the NFL last year. I think a lot of people are hating on him, one, because he's getting older, two, because of the coverage gaffe in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter. So people are on him. Mistakes are made. They happen. You keep going. You play football. It happens. Everybody gets beat once in a while. But Sherman, I mean, if you're a 49ers fan and you watched every game last year like I like I did and I'm sure you two did and plenty of fans out there did, Richard Sherman was locked down all year. And that doesn't even bring into account the leadership aspect that he brings to the team. Richard Sherman has totally helped transform that defense. He's given them an attitude to go along with their talent. He's taught them how to win, how to prepare correctly. He's been like another coach out there, except he can still play just as good as he ever has been able to. The big thing for me is is PFF, like you had said, it had him graded as as the best cover corner in the league. Um, And if you look at statistically how he graded out on PFF, it was his best year since 2014 in Seattle. Definitely still one of the top 10 in the league. I would probably put him in, in the top five category. He's obviously not the guy he once was. We can see the speed decline. You can see how things have kind of lowered. And, you know, he, he has lost a little bit of a step since the Achilles injury. But it hasn't been so much that he can't function or can't play at an elite in a high level. And the best part of all of this for him is that he's playing in San Francisco with the D-line that he has. They're able to get to the quarterback fast. They're able to get to the quarterback within four to five seconds. Is he still great enough, good enough as a player to be able to, to cover for the first four or five seconds hard, press coverage hard, get guys off their routes, predict their route, sit on that first break and really force them into, into a position where, the, where you're a receiver where you're going to have to get really creative and it's going to take you more than four or five seconds to get open? Yeah, he can still do that at an extremely high level, and that's why he's graded as high as he is. That's why he, he covered as well as he did. Yes, the Super Bowl fourth quarter wasn't great, but he was pretty much flawless for the rest of the season. He was fantastic the whole way through. Um, and as long as he's in San Francisco with that D-line, he's going to remain a top 10 guy in the league for, for the next few years. He's still not anywhere close to being in twilight mode of his career, still playing at a high level. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe that he'd be dropping off that quickly uh, that soon. Football intelligence level is crazy high. He's probably the smartest football player, especially in the secondary, in any team on the league. Um, Richard Sherman is by far one of the best players in the league. He just is a very polarizing figure. But I think he's definitely top 10 because of how smart he is. He runs routes 
better than the receivers that are know what the route is. He knows what's coming. He dissects offensive coordinators and understands what their tendencies are and what they want to run. He doesn't prepare for receivers. He prepares for offensive coordinators. And that's what sets him apart from all the other corners that, you know, think that's what you need to do is prepare for a certain receiver. He prepares for offensive coordinators, know what route they like, what their scheme is, what formations, and that's why he's always in the right spots. And I think that we'd be talking about unanimously, everybody, national media, everyone, we'd be putting Richard Sherman in the top five all across the board if he didn't have Devontae Adams and he didn't have Sammy Watkins happen in the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. And those really showed the speed difference between them and him. And you know what, though? What I look at is, okay, that's two instances. What about all the other times speed didn't matter? Just shows that intelligence can make up for physical traits that maybe are in decline. So, yeah, Richard Sherman is probably falling off physically, but mentally he's just going to keep raising his game and getting to another level. And that's what football is about. Football is about intelligence. It's about football intelligence and being in the right spots at the right time. He's definitely a top 10 guy and probably a top three guy when you take into account the intelligence level um, because I think Richard Sherman is still a shutdown corner. You can call him a system corner. You can call him all that stuff you want, but nobody does it better than him right now. I don't care that he doesn't run man-to-man coverage. I could care less because in our system, cover three, and that's that's what's important. It's weird how a New Jersey can make you like a guy, huh? Yeah, yeah that, that's the truth, man. Uh, I, I, real quick, too, I just want to want to shout out to Richard Sherman for unblocking me on Twitter when he came over to San Francisco. What a what an absolute boss. One love. One love, man, for real. For real. Yeah, big ups to Richard Sherman for showing some love to Mr. Sassani over here. Now, across from Richard Sherman... There's a little bit of a dispute about who's going to start. Last year's uh, Akilah Witherspoon started at right corner, and then eventually Emmanuel Mosley took over, and they kind of went back and forth all through the playoffs. So, Alex, who's going to start at right cornerback this year? Is it going to be Emmanuel Mosley or Akilah Witherspoon? I think it's Mosley's job to lose, but based on how many chances the 49ers staff has given Akilah Witherspoon, I think that Mosley has kind of no choice but to lose it. I think they they love Witherspoon. I think they love his upside, his potential. And you saw what his upside and his potential was early in the year last year. He looked like one of the elite young corners in the game through through three weeks. Before the foot injury, he looked phenomenal. Um, Pick six in that first game against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the big play, honestly, for me was him against Mike Evans, the one-on-one matchup on the deep ball where he's running stride for stride with Mike Evans, goes up, breaks up a pass, uh, and you're sitting there going, oh, oh, you're you're big time ready. Like, you're ready, ready. The confidence level looked sky high. Uh, as soon as he got injured, though, it changed completely. He did not look like the same guy. I don't think he had confidence in his ability to stick and break on routes. I don't think he had confidence that he even necessarily knew what it was that was supposed to be happening because he couldn't get his body to function at the level he wanted to function at. Uh, and thank God Mosley stepped up when he did because he shored up that, that, that other side of the field, um, that other corner position. Uh, I think he's earned the starting job, but they're going to give Witherspoon plenty of opportunity to take it from him. And if he can get back to the confidence level and the health level that he had at the start of the season – I don't think it's any. I, I mean, I can't. I can't imagine Witherspoon being that player and not being the starter on opening day. Yeah, I agree with you, Alex. Um, if we're going off what we saw last year, the second half of last year, you would have to say Mosley's the starter. I think we can all agree on that. But 
Witherspoon is the much more talented guy. He's the guy with the much higher upside. He's tall, he's long, he's fast. He And like you said, for three weeks last year, he looked every bit of the part. He looked like he was going to be a stud out there. You know, that same play where he shut down Mike Brown on the deep ball, or Mike Brown, excuse me, Mike Evans on the deep ball, it was... It was like in fret or uh, remember the Titans when the coach turned himself. It looks like we got ourselves a football player. Uh. I couldn't believe it because <laughs> I thought he was going to be a problem over there because at the end of the year before he didn't play well, and then after he got injured, he seemed to lose, like you said, lost his confidence. And the last straw was definitely that deep ball to Diggs at the beginning of the Vikings game. Didn't play too much after that, and Mosley came in and played well. But I think Mosley's ceiling is a average, solid starter. And I think Witherspoon, if he were to ever reach his peak, I think he has Pro Bowl-type potential. I think he really does. He's got everything you need to be that player. He just has to put it together. But if I was picking who was going to start right now before camp, I would go with E-Man. Emmanuel Mosley's got that dog in him. I mean, he, he's he's a better tackler. He's more physical. He's been underrated for a while, and I think he takes it personally. He's got a chip on his shoulder, and so when he goes out there, he plays at a high level. Um, I think that Akilah Witherspoon, they've given him every opportunity, and he's probably the better athlete. He should be the better football player, but he's not. Emmanuel Mosley at this time is a better football player than Akilah Witherspoon, so Emmanuel Mosley is going to start. It doesn't mean that Akilah Witherspoon is not a good player because I think he is. And I still think he could have a future in San Francisco. I can envision a, you know, a starting cornerback group of Akilah Witherspoon and Emmanuel Mosley, maybe with Richard Sherman moving somewhere else in the future. But I think that we need to really look at how they play Akilah Witherspoon and how they play Emmanuel Mosley. And I think that they might actually see time on the field together this year, especially with the injury to DJ Reed. Emmanuel Mosley might play in the slot, you know, with Kwan Williams on the other side. And then have Akilla Witherspoon play on the outside and Richard Sherman on the other side. I think that will get your best cover guys on the field. Um, I think the DJ Reed opened that up. But, I mean, you just can't have one of these guys sitting on the sideline. Emmanuel Mosley really came on last year and proved what kind of player he was. So I look forward to seeing the battle in camp because I think it's going to be really good. I do expect Emmanuel Mosley to win. But ultimately, I, th- I think both guys have bright futures ahead of them. And you know what? Let's let's see what happens, man. Let, I'm curious to see what happens on that right side. Speaking of K1 Williams, of course, is K1 Williams a top five nickel corner in the league? Okay, I've expressed my thoughts on K1 Williams on here before. I think K1 Williams is a criminally underrated player and component of that defense. You talked about guys that have that dog in them, like Emmanuel Mosley. K1 Williams is a perfect example of that. He's not a very big guy. But he can cover the inside. He can tackle. He'll he blitzes well, actually, for especially for his size. He was ranked the number two nickel corner by Pro Football Focus in the league last year. He caused seven turnovers. I mean, for most guys, that's a Pro Bowl type year. But yet, you barely ever hear him mentioned by people that don't follow the 49ers closely, or maybe some announcers during games. But I think Kwan Williams is a big-time player. I think he's one of the best nickel corners in the league, if not the best. And I think, like I opened with, I think he's a very, very valuable component of the 49ers defense. The big thing for me, too, was 76.1 QB rating. 
That's what he allowed. Right. That's incredible. Especially since the year before it was 114. He, he essentially cut it in half in a season. Uh, and he, I wouldn't say he had a bad year last year. A definitely 100% criminally underrated. Not appreciated for the things that he does. Not appreciated for the things he has done. The turnover number itself, when I saw that stat today, was blown away by it. Could not believe that a guy who had created that many turnovers. I think it was four of those were half of them were forced fumbles. It was five forced fumbles and yeah. two interceptions. It's it's insane. It's it's crazy that he doesn't get more recognition for the things he's done. Pro Football Focus obviously has given him his due and his credit. Um, but he's not talked about. He's not discussed in circles as a, a key piece of, of their defense and why their pass defense has been as stout as it's been. Teams that got more than one or two guys and, and have a big slot threat, he's been lights out against. I'm really looking forward to seeing what what additions he adds to his game and how much more he improves this season. He's not super old. He does have a lot of experience, though. He's played a lot of games. He's got a lot of snaps under his belt. And I'm really looking forward to see kind of where that takes him this season with this group. Who's ready to see him matched up with uh, Emmanuel Sanders in the slot? It's going to be a good one. I'm interested to see any of them match up with Emmanuel Sanders, to be I'd honest with you. I'd like to see Richard Sherman and him matched up. Achilles and Achilles. and Yeah. See who's faster. He ain't going to outrun Richard Sherman on that one. He's not fast anymore. <laughs> Emmanuel <laughs> Sanders is not fast anymore. <laughs> when it comes to K1 Williams, I think that – a lot of times the corners and, and DBs for the 49ers are overlooked because of the defensive pass rush. So automatically these guys kind of have like a negative already against them, even though they really didn't do anything wrong. And K1 Williams is an excellent player. Um, I think that this year will be his all-pro year. I think this is going to be the year that he stands out. The only problem is, um, you know, I know we're worried about signing him again next year. But I don't know, is there going to be a market next year? Look at Logan Ryan. There's no real market for that type of player. So financially, we might be able to keep him next year, even if he is an all-pro. I, I like the guy. I know Richard Sherman is really high on him. I think that he adds a lot of stability. Because we don't mention him very much, I think that just shows that he's kind of a, a go-to-work, get-it-done kind of guy. He doesn't boast. He just gets the job done. And I like that about him. He's, he's kind of a blue-collar type of player. And I think he adds a lot to the the defensive secondary. So yeah, I think K1 Williams is a top five nickel corner. I, I actually think that this year he'll he'll become an all pro player in the NFL. Alex, I got a question for you. Who would you rather have on the roster? Dante Johnson or Jason Verrett? Probably gonna go with Jason Verrett. Um, just because he seems to have a lot more support in the locker room with with the secondary guys, especially Richard Sherman was I think it was today, just commented on the work ethic and the tenacity he has and the injuries and the things that he's fought through and how well he's developed. He's a guy who just, he seems to have the trust of not only the locker room, but the coaching staff. They seem to have kept him around despite the injuries and made, put him on the active roster and made him a part of it. They, they, he was the first guy they brought up when the injury bug hit the secondary last year. I just feel like he he has not just the trust of, of the, the locker room guys and the coaching staff, but the, the organization as a whole feels like he's a good fit here. Um, and he seemed to develop well with everybody and fit in chemistry-wise. I think that's important. I think it's kind of an underrated thing at the NFL level. A lot of people, I mean, you've heard, we've heard Chip Kelly, you know, talk about how guys are replaceable. You can just change pieces in and out. And to an extent, that may be true. Um, but there's certain guys, the guys who are the everyday grinders who come in and work, those guys win, win the heart of the locker room and win the heart of the team and kind of help you set your identity in terms of what you want to be. 
Jason Brett seems to be that kind of guy. And I think if we have to choose between him and Don, him and Dante, it's no nothing personal against Dante. He's done a lot. He's played a lot of games in his career. Uh, I think he just Brett fits better in terms of what they're looking for at that position. And I think he fits better with the group as a collectible. Well, to be honest, if healthy, which we all know at this point in his career is a big, big if with Jason Verrett. Jason Verrett is a Pro Bowl level player. His He played two years where he played the whole season. One of them he made the Pro Bowl. Dante Johnson is a back end of the roster guy. He's a solid backup corner. So if they're both at their peak, this isn't close. Jason Verrett, like you said, Richard Sherman just came out yesterday and said that he, by the end of last season, actually, he was back at full speed and running and those things, and that's why they brought him back. Jason Verrett has the type of talent that if he would be, if he would stay healthy, it would be a three-way battle for that spot opposite Sherman. That's the kind of talent he has. Unfortunately, you never know if he's going to stay healthy. But I would definitely take Verrett over Dante Johnson. I would go with Jason Verrett as well. Um, he could play outside. He could play inside. He's more versatile. He has more experience. Um, he's a California guy, so I gotta be a little bit biased there. Shout out. Um, seen him play youth football, so shout out there. You know, Didn't Jason go well. Verrett, Jason Verrett, yeah, he he uh, is a really good player. He's been a good player for a long time, obviously. Dog. But, yeah, I, I think Jason Verrett is the guy. Um, Dante Johnson was kind of a surprise uh, to be added back to the roster. I think, you know, Shanahan and them, once they got there, that kind of signaled the end of Dante Johnson. And then when he came back last year, I was really surprised that they brought someone like him back. I think Jason Verrett is – they have a lot of big plans for him. And he's a top-level guy. I mean, he's an elite corner in this league, especially of healthy – so you don't cut those kind of guys. You keep them, and I hope that you know he stays healthy so that way he can pay dividends for the 49ers in the future. Alex, who would you rather have, Tim Harris or Jamar Taylor? Jamar's got a little more experience. I would say probably most likely Jamar Taylor. Uh, more experience. Tim Harris has not really played a whole bunch, but... This is one of those things that you start getting further and further down the, the depth chart. It becomes a lot harder to, especially with no preseason games, how right. you going to make those decisions and pull the trigger. Just based off body of work, Jamar's played a few more games. He's coming off of a, a full season last year uh, of playing and playing on an active roster and starting games. I think he just provides more depth, ready game experience depth. Um, and they brought him in for a reason. I mean, they, they brought him in and, and put him on the active roster and, getting him into training camp because they, they thought he could bring something to the table that they didn't already have here. You're wrong, Mr. Coach Klein. Oh, man. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Coach Klein. Tim, Tim Harris, when they picked him in the sixth round last year, was regarded by most as a top 60-type talent. He had had se- several injuries that shortened his college career, but when he played, he was an all-ACC-level player. He was thought of very highly by them last year. Then once again, the injury bug hit him. But in the ga- the preseason games he played, he played extremely well. They were talking really highly of him before he got injured. And I actually think Tim Harris is a very high potential guy. He's about six foot three, 200 pounds. He runs in the low four fives in the 40. He fits their scheme perfectly. I'm pretty high on Tim Harris. 
So I think I would, as long as he comes in healthy like they're saying he is, I would rather have him over Jamar Taylor. If you put Spoon and E-Man together, you get Tim Harris. He's tall, he's physical, he's athletic, he's smart. Uh, Richard Sherman had a cool quote about him. He said he's physical. He said you can't coach that, you can't teach that. So I think that um, he's you can't teach that. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's definitely somebody that is going to be fun to watch in the in training camp because. This might be a glimpse into the future for the 49ers. I think when they made this pick, I think they had an understanding that he might not pay instant dividends but could down the road. And with so many guys possibly needing new deals next year, this is a cheap person that could possibly fill in and take one of those spots away, even if it's in a depth role, but maybe even a starting role uh, in the future. So, yeah, Tim Harris, I think I would definitely have him over Jamar Taylor. He's more of a journeyman. Uh, I think he's a good player, but I would take Tim Harris and – I think that he's going to show out this year. I think he might he might surprise some people in the long run. Any surprise guys that you could possibly see making an impact for the 49ers uh horse? Actually, my surprise guy is Tim Harris. Okay. I think Tim Harris is going to make the team and I think he's going to I obviously I don't think he's going to start. I don't think he's ready for that, but I think he's going to make some plays. I think he's going to get in a little bit in those maybe dime packages situations. And I'm pretty high on him. I think he's going to have a good impact this year. I, I wouldn't say that I have a surprise guy per se. Um, this is one of those years where I don't think you're going to see a lot of surprise guys because you're not going to get that preseason game look in terms of guys getting a chance to show out in game situations. I think the the surprise is going to be Verrett, personally. I think he's the guy that's going to have – Number one, stay healthy. Number two, with with the changes they made to training camp and scheduling and and how padded practices, how late they're going to start in the season and things like that, I think he's going to have a chance to not only stay healthy but get some run early in the season and going to show out and, and have some great snaps and maybe put himself in that conversation like Horst said where when he's healthy he could be – he's a guy that you, you're considering a three-man rotation with at that other cornerback spot. Um, I think he's probably, if there's anyone that's going to make a surprise run at the roster in, in terms of playing time and guy that they can use, maybe even just situationally, like third and long, get out, this is your this is your down, this is your situation, go lock down that right half of the field. Uh, it'll be someone like Verrett. I'm going to go with uh, DeMarcus Acey. This guy's going to turn some heads. He's got clean footwork. He really, the only reason that he wasn't drafted was because he is not very fast. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. He's got the size, 6'2", 200 pounds. He's just like Richard Sherman. He's going to have to think. If he can learn, if he can play with intelligence, and if he can possibly pick up that kind of stuff from the cornerbacks that the 49ers have and possibly the new um, cornerbacks coach, DB coach, then, yeah, I think that he's somebody that could show up. Maybe one, two weeks into padded practice starting, you guys might start hearing DeMarcus Acey as a possible guy that's causing some issues, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think this guy should have been drafted, could have been drafted. I think a lot of people are going to be kicking themselves because he's another guy coming in under the radar like um, Emmanuel Mosley did. So that's my guy. Behind the whistle. We're, we're going uh, behind the whistle because I want to talk about cornerback coach Tony Oden. So, Alex, what do you think about Mr. Odin. Uh, first and foremost, 15 years of coaching experience. So another another guy in, in this behind-the-whistle segment that we've done that has 
a load of coaching experience in the NFL. 15 total years. He was a guy who uh, who last season was in Miami with uh, Brian Flores in his, in his first year with Miami, with the Miami Dolphins. He coached in Detroit before that, 2014 through 2017, was really, really crucial and important to Darius Slay's development. And you can kind of see the things that he's doing now in the big contract he just got. Uh, Buccaneers before that, Jacksonville before that, uh, New Orleans, and Houston is the, the stop that is interesting enough because that's where he gave some good advice to Sala back in the day. So that's where Robert Sala and him first met. Um, and it's, it's funny that Sala, Sala, Shanahan, and Odin all at some point in time were in Houston right around the same time as each other. And D'Amico Ryans. And D'Amico Ryans. All of them in the same location at the, uh, pretty much the same point in time. Who would have thought, you know, fast forward 14 years and you'd all end up on, on the 49ers coaching staff. But it just goes to show the importance of, of that relationship building. He obviously made an impression with with Sala and, and probably a guy like Shanahan at some point there in Houston that, you know, fast forward, as soon as we had a vacancy, he's the first guy on the list that they're calling and bringing in. Um, he's coached some notable players, Xavion Howard, Darius Slay, like I mentioned, and Darrell Rivas, all of them during his time. His Dolphins last year, second in the league in interceptions, 21. I mean, and, and if there's one thing that we, we saw the development with the D-line this last season, the D-line's growth really helped the DBs create turnovers. And so a guy like him that was able to get that lowly Miami Dolphins team <laughs> to produce that level of turnovers, uh, pair his style of coaching, what he's done with that secondary Miami with what our D-line's doing in San Francisco, and I cannot wait to see what happens. Well, he comes and he replaces Joe Woods, who is a highly respected coach. He left to be Cleveland's defensive coordinator, but it didn't take very long for Shanahan to bring him in. I was within the next couple days, so you can tell he was definitely high on Shanahan's list. Um, other than the Texans' connection, he also coached with Chris Kacarek in Detroit and Miami. So those two are familiar with each other as well, which is kind of interesting. So I don't know if Kacarek maybe helped push for him. I'm sure he did. But um, he's got a load of experience, like you said. He's very highly respected in NFL circles. And like we seem to say every single time we bring up an assistant coach, he's a gr- another good choice by Shanahan. He's a very well-respected veteran guy. And it, once again, like we keep saying, putting a heck of a coaching staff together. The development of young players, I mean, that's really what he did in Miami. They trade away Mika Fitzpatrick, but are one of the best in the in interceptions and far better than the 49ers were in interceptions. And we talk about, you know, the defensive line causing problems. I've already heard some of the players mention that he's got some interesting takes and, and thoughts on um, things. And I think that it's going to be fun to see what they do differently because they've been talking about possibly changing up some of the some of the coverages and some of the looks and possibly running man some more. I'm interested. I, I really am. I, are we going to see Richard Sherman playing left corner the whole time or is he going to play, you know, maybe middle of the road safety sometimes? What are we going to see? If are you're we- the best DB in the league, follow me. Cover me every play. <laughs> every every wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, I, the whole follow thing is stupid. It's like, no, okay, it doesn't make any sense. But I, I think that, that it's going to be interesting to see what he brings to the table that's different from Joe Woods. And what the 49ers do to adjust because, you know, I think there is somewhat of a blueprint now on how to attack the secondary. Andy Reid kind of made it clear, spread them out, run screen passes, 
um, spread them horizontally, and then eventually you'll be able to take your vertical shots. And that is kind of what they're doing now. So the 49ers have to be able to adjust, change, and just make it, you know, more troublesome on offenses, you know, and, and more unpredictable. So, yeah, this is a good this is a good hire. And especially coming off losing such a well-respected coach to being, um, you know, going to Cleveland as a defensive coordinator, to replace him with a guy that, I mean, I don't know if he's an upgrade, but he's right up there with them. I think just shows the respect that, these coaches have for Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala and the possibility that Kyle Shanahan is just going to keep building, you know, this coaching staff to all time levels. So, yep, guys, chalk another one up. Make sure to tune in to the next 49ers Cutback podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Anchor, Google Pods, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to click the follow button so you won't miss an episode. You can always follow us on Twitter at 49ers Cutback. We will be back soon with another episode. Stay safe and remember the right way is always the 49ers.